Log Talk Radio. Broadcasting from Atlanta, Georgia, home of the world's greatest artist, TLC, Gladys Knight, India Ari, Indigo Girls, and Hartsfield Atlanta Jackson Airport, the Falcons, and Clark Atlanta University. This is The Bright Side with Technicia, a daily show with real people with real experiences. And now, here's your host, Technicia. Already starting off on the first day of December. I tell you, we're going to have a, some more weeks to go and we'll be looking at New Year's. But thank you for tuning in to another episode of The Bright Side with Technicia, the first day of December already. And we are moving on up. I tell you, the weather is still feeling good, but we know that cold is going to stop us feeling when it does come. That's one thing about Atlanta, Georgia. The weather is crazy here, man. But anybody who's in Minnesota or farther north, you know, oh, more power to you. I don't think I could deal with that snow and them degrees below. No, not me at all. But here today, I'm providing you with great information because I have with me here is Daniel Cuckling. She is a Medicare expert. Yes, all the questions that you probably wondering about, um, trying to figure out um, are the benefits going to be this minute, um, or going to lower or not, um, what part I need to apply of the Medicare Part A, B, C, or D. All those things you look confused to me because my husband, he's on it, so I get kind of confused. I'm like, what What are you talking about? Like, what can care of? You know, so these are questions that's probably going on right now in your head as well. So do call in at 347-426-3751. I'm going to keep the chat box line open, too, just in case if you're shy and don't feel like really talking. I'm going to do that, make sure that stays open, but I think this is very valuable things that we do need to discuss about because sooner or later, one of your relatives, your loved one will get in that situation and you want to be informed and be more educated up on the subject because it gets confusing when you're looking at all those different words on there and you're like, what? Because I'd be in the room like, uh, I don't understand. I don't feel like reading all that information page by page. So hopefully we'll get more information here, and you'll be able to chat with Daniel in your spare, um, Danielle in your spare time through email, via telephone, or whatsoever. But Danielle, thank you for taking out the time to be here with us on the show today. Thank you, Technisa. I'm glad to be here. Yes. So how was your how was your Thanksgiving? You know what? It was terrific. This time of year, it's so busy for us due to the Medicare season. So to have a day during the week where you get to spend with family and just celebrate and have a good meal, it was wonderful. How was yours? Oh, it was. I loved it. I had to work, but hey, I, I still got in my time <laughs> in half. There you go. Yeah, yeah. I guess I want to ask because it's Medicare and Medicaid. Those two always confuse me. What are the differences between them? Because my husband, he's on it, and every time somebody asks me, uh, which one, is he on Medicare or Medicaid? I'm like, I don't know. They start with an M. Yeah, that's right. It's confusing for a lot of people because the plans, uh, the names are similar, but you also um, are both governmental benefits. So um, we get this question pretty often. So Medicare is the National Health Insurance Program for people age 65 and older or for people who have disabilities that they have qualified for Social Security disability, and that provides health insurance for um, that group. 
Medicaid is actually a program that helps provide insurance benefits for people of lower incomes. So you don't have to be 65 to qualify for Medicaid. You can apply through the Department of Health and Human Services for Medicaid benefits. Um, health benefits are one of the things that you can get through Medicaid, and of course they have other benefits um, like dental programs for children, um, food stamps, and those kind of benefits. Sometimes we have people age 65 and older who actually qualify for both, so they can have their Medicare benefits, but they also have low-income help to help them pay for some of the cost sharing within Medicare because they have that income level below um, the federal poverty line. Okay. So, what, Danielle, what do you think is really the issue here? Why do you think so many Medicare beneficiaries out here are so confused about Medicare? Yeah, I think what happens is, you know, we work our whole lifetime, and most of the time we have a company providing us um, benefits through our employer. So we might have a meeting once a year where we go into a room with our employer HR representatives, and they tell us about all the benefits that the employer is going to be offering the next year for medical and dental and vision. Sometimes you might have one or two choices. There might be two different medical plans that you can choose from, and the cost to you comes out of your paycheck. Um, it may be a little different from one to the other, but the employer provides most of the cost of the benefit. And so we're really used to being told what our insurance benefits will be and maybe giving one or two choices. And then all of a sudden, you turn 65 and you're enrolled into a government program that has four parts, A, B, C, and D, and it also has um, cost sharing that we have to pay. It's not provided for us for free. And we have to figure out what we're going to pay for that and how much um, cost sharing we'll have even after we pay for our benefits. And then we have to add supplemental benefits to cover the parts that Medicare doesn't. So you literally end up with something along the lines of 200 plan choices. And it's very easy for people to get bogged down in all that information, trying to understand um, what original Medicare provides them in the first place, and then why is it that we need supplemental benefits to cover the pieces that Medicare doesn't. So if you think about the fact that all of our lives were kind of provided the benefits, um, and then all of a sudden we have to figure this out for ourselves, it makes um, a little bit, it's a little bit intimidating for most of the people across America when they first become eligible for Medicare. And it certainly doesn't help that about a year before you turn 65, those insurance carriers out there, they have lists and they know, they know who you are. And so they mail so much to your mailbox and you get stacks and stacks of um, plan solicitations and you're not sure which pieces are ads and which pieces you're supposed to keep. So um, if you add all that together, you can see how it's so easy for people to get overwhelmed. Right, because they do. They send you so They do. Uh, when uh, my husband gets in the mail, they send so much information. I'm like, uh, no, <laughs> I, I can't see all that. <laughs> like it just, yeah. it, it really blows your mind. It keeps you bothered. Like, what, what, what you mean? I don't, I don't understand. So, yes. in, in your opinion, Danielle, what is probably the biggest challenge right now for new Medicare beneficiaries? So the biggest challenge that they uh, face when they first become eligible for Medicare is just first understanding what your basic Medicare benefits provide. So even before you get into which kind of plan will be good for you supplemental, 
you first have to figure out what Medicare itself provides you. And um, the takeaway that I can give your listeners today is that original Medicare, which was um, developed in the 1960s and signed into law by President Lyndon Johnson, is designed to cover um, your basic inpatient and outpatient benefits for health care. Your inpatient benefits are your Medicare Part A, and that's what you pay for all your working life. You see that little line on your pay stub that says um, you've got a deduction for your Medicare benefits. So you're paying ahead of time for your Medicare hospital benefits. So when you turn 65, you know that if you sign up for Part A, for most people, as long as you've worked 10 years in your lifetime in the U.S. or a spouse has, you actually don't have to pay anything for Part A when you enroll because you're paid up as it's considered prepaid. And then Part B are your outpatient benefits. And these are going to be things that you and I think of as outpatient benefits, such as doctor visits, lab work. But it's also going to cover some pretty big-ticket items, such as surgeries, um, durable medical equipment, chemotherapy and radiation for cancer. Um, All of those outpatient benefits are covered under Medicare Part B. And Medicare only pays 80% of that for you. So um, you have to sign up for Medicare Part A and B, and then Part B has a premium that's associated with it. So you're going to actually pay for that Part B outpatient benefit. And for most people right now in 2015, the cost of that benefit is approximately $105. It goes up a little bit every year. It will be around 123 next year. Um, if you have a higher income bracket, though, you can actually pay a higher amount, which is determined by Social Security. And so you can see that just beginning when they're first starting to learn, first they have to figure out what the pieces are, and then they have to figure out how much those are going to cost them, and then they get into the supplemental benefits. So the first hurdle is really figuring out the basic parts of Medicare and what those are going to cover and what they don't. Okay. Now, you know, there have been probably questions to this, too, that I don't know if you ever got before, Danielle, but can you be penalized for not enrolling in Medicare, even if you're not entitled to it? Um, you can be penalized for enroll- for not enrolling in Medicare once you're entitled to it. So once you have been, t- been determined to be age 65 in America and you're eligible for Medicare and you fail to enroll in it, if you don't have some other form of creditable health insurance coverage to show why you didn't enroll in Medicare, then you can get a penalty. And the penalty for uh, Part B of Medicare is 10% per year for every year that you could have been enrolled that you wait. So for a lot of people, um, sometimes today in America, we work way past age 65. We have, you know, we may work till 70 or 72. That's very common among people across the country. If they have employer health benefits that they're choosing in lieu of Medicare, then later when they join Medicare, there won't be any late enrollment penalty. But if you decide just to go uninsured and you fail to enroll in Medicare um, Part B, then you're going to end up with a 10% penalty. So later on when you enroll, you're going to pay 10% per year more than you would have if you had enrolled when you first could have. And so if you wait five years, that penalty could be 50%, and it can be quite substantial. Um, So there's two things that are really a problem. One there is that you don't have insurance, so you're not covered against um, medical needs for medical catastrophic. Uh, catastrophic events, injuries, illnesses, and then you're also, when you finally do enroll, you end up with that penalty, which makes the coverage more expensive for you. Wow. And and speaking on costs, how much does Medicare cost, or 
what should people be prepared to spend on Medicare? Most people won't pay anything for the Part A as long as they've got the work history. Um, but for new people that are new to Medicare in 2016, uh, you will pay approximately $123 um, for Medicare Part B. There's $121 and then a little fee that gets added on there. And so that's what the 95% of Americans will pay. However, if you have household income um, above a certain amount, then you get to pay what's called a premium adjustment. And so that okay. that can increase your premium higher because you have a higher income bracket. And so Medicare has a great website, Medicare.gov, where you can visit their page about Part B and see um, what what category you fall into, and you'll be able to calculate what your premium will be if you have an income over eighty five thousand as an individual or one hundred and seventy thousand as a married couple. You'll pay an adjustment, and you can find what that adjustment will be on Medicare's website talking about Part D, because I think that's what my husband, he applies for um, Part D. But who pays the Part D higher income surcharge? So if you have income above a certain level, um, there's four levels of adjustments. Anybody okay. that has an income higher than 85000 as an individual or 170000 as a married couple will pay more. It's, a, it's determined on how much higher. So if you're just a little over that threshold, your penalty won't be so great. But if you're in the highest bracket, you may end up actually spending well over $300 for Part B, whereas most of America would spend 120 or something. Woo! Wow. Yeah, it can get pretty mm, pricey dope. if you're in one of those higher brackets. So you really do need to prepare ahead of time um, with your financial planner and make sure that you're putting away enough money to pay for your health care costs in retirement. Right, exactly. Well, I'll say thank God that he doesn't have to go through that. Um, he doesn't really have to pay too much on his prescriptions, maybe like $3 or so. Yeah. And we'll – right, so that's good. Um, and It is good. What, now, what I need to understand too, Danielle, is what does what type of coverage does Medicare provide? Like, what sort of coverage does it? Yeah, what does it provide? Medicare covers pretty much all of the things that you and I would think of as ordinary medical benefits. So, it's going to okay. take care of any type of injury or illness. If you need to see a doctor or specialist uh, for those types of treatments. It also covers a wide variety of preventive care. So um, for ladies, it's going to cover our well woman visits and our mammograms. It covers colonoscopies once every five years. It covers your annual flu shot, pneumonia shots, cardiovascular and diabetes screenings, um, a lot of really good preventive benefits. And then anything that you would ordinarily go to a doctor for um, is pretty much going to be covered under Medicare. And Part B will cover about 80% of those costs. One of the things that Medicare doesn't cover that perhaps your employer insurance has covered for you in the past is going to be your vision, routine vision, dental, and hearing. For whatever reason, when Congress designed Medicare, they just decided that apparently we don't need glasses or dental care in retirement. And so those are actually things that are not covered by original Medicare. So you have to get the coverage for that um, outside of uh, your Medicare benefits. I know. It's always a little gap somewhere that they there is. just don't always put in. And if you don't read that fine print, like sometimes I don't, that's when they sneak right on in. Well, it was in the paper. That's exactly what I'm saying. Yeah. It was in the paper. Um, now, you know, um, 
when it comes to Medicare enrollment, when you have coverage from your spouse's employer, like you might be reaching 65 now and you're on mm-hmm. retired and you got excellent health coverage up on your spouse's employer plan and you're yes. hoping you hoping to use until maybe like they retire in 10 years. But if you don't enroll in Medicare right then and there, can you be penalized when you sign up after her after their retirement? Usually not. So if you've got good okay. insurance from a company um, employer insurance, and that company's insurance is primary to Medicare, which is the case whenever that employer has more than 20 employees, then usually um, that coverage is going to is going to make you, um, it's called creditable coverage, which means that later when you sign up for Medicare, you probably won't have a penalty for Medicare uh, Part B outpatient coverage. Sometimes for some people, if, you're, if your group plan is a high deductible plan with a health savings account, you may have a late enrollment penalty for the Part D drug benefit because on those plans, the drug benefit that's built into the plan may not be as good as Medicare. And so later when you enroll in Medicare, you could have a small late enrollment penalty on that. And so you've got to make sure that when you're checking with your employer employer group insurance, you want to ask that agent, is my coverage here going to be creditable for all of my Medicare later so that when I do enroll in Medicare, I won't have a penalty? Right. These are great, valuable tips for everybody to tag along because we one day going to get there. If you live long enough, you will definitely see it, and you have to be prepared for those things. You don't want to wait till last minute and say, uh-oh. So, Daniel, how can consumers approach at age 65 prepare for enrolling in Medicare and choosing suitable insurance? The best way, I think, to prepare is to make sure that you do some reading online and start that pretty early. It would just be right, great if there was a class that. that we could all go to when we turn 50, Ooh. you know, and yeah. prepare us ahead of time. Wouldn't that be lovely? And you would be the right um, person to do it, Danielle. You, we would, you need to be the one to teach the class. <laughs> yeah, I, I, we actually do quite a few uh, Medicare education classes here in the DFW area, a lot of just general Medicare uh, information that we provide with local cancer support groups and hospitals. Um, sometimes employers will invite us out to share that information uh, because there's not, there isn't a class that you can go to and just learn it. So um, a couple resources that I can point your listeners to, well, first of all, Medicare's own website, which is Medicare.gov, has a ton of information on it about all the things that Medicare covers, the parts of Medicare and what they are, what the costs are going to be to you for that coverage, and also the cost sharing that you pay in the coverage, meaning your co-insurance and co-pays and deductibles that you're responsible for. And then there's also really great websites out there that you can read um, that are just put up by insurance companies and brokers like us. They will cover a lot of the general Medicare information, and some of those types of sites uh, might have some language sometimes. It's a little easier to understand. I think the thing that people find most confusing is they're not really always familiar with the terminology. Uh, Words like cost-sharing and coinsurance and deductibles, those aren't regular terms that we use in our everyday life, so they can be a little confusing to people. So if you start early, right around when you're maybe 64, 64 and a half, about six months out from your Medicare age, start doing your own research. You're going to get a book from Medicare called the Medicare and You Handbook, and you can read that. It will give you a lot of good basic information. Um, Medicare also publishes a, a book called Choosing a Medigap Policy, which will explain all the rules for enrolling in supplemental insurance. So those are two great documents that you can Google, find online, and begin reading. 
Um, and then write your list of questions down so that when the time comes where you're actually enrolling in Medicare and you have some questions about your benefits, you'll be able to ask the Social Security representative when you enroll, or you can visit with an agent or broker who can walk you through uh, all the coverage uh, terms so that you understand what your benefits are, and then also help you with understanding supplemental insurance so that you can get an idea of which type of plan would be most affordable and suitable for the coverage that you feel comfortable with. So the key is just getting it done early. Don't wait until two days before your 65th birthday to do this reading. You want to start reading well ahead of time, and that will make you less right. confused when you start to get those ads in your mailbox. Right. The AARP is coming, people. Trust and believe me, it's coming in the mail. They know. <laughs> they have you in the database, and they know that you're getting to that age. Uh, <laughs> they do. All the time. And it looks like they know how to talk you through those commercials. Double Double ARP, and I work at a job, and I mostly get a few people that say, "Do I get my double ARP discount?" I'm like, mm, no, not here, <laughs> not where I work. <laughs> now, you, now you mentioned su- supplemental coverage. Do people have to enroll in Medicare supplemental coverage? They don't, um, but they're going to want to at least understand their options because the big oh. thing about Medicare, where you sometimes see people that will end up with um, some ex- expensive. Um, bills, the type of medical bills that can cause uh, bankruptcy, is that original Medicare only covers 80% of your outpatient benefits, and there's no stop loss to protect you on the amount that you're going to pay. So on your current insurance that you have now through an employer, you have a deductible, and then usually there's something called an out-of-pocket maximum. The out-of-pocket maximum is a, is a, what protects you. So there's a point where maybe when you hit 5000 out-of-pocket or 10000 out-of-pocket, after that the insurance company has to cover 100% of the rest of your benefits. We're all used okay. to policies like that. Medicare doesn't have that. You pay the other 20% forever. And you can imagine that 20% of a big-ticket item like dialysis or chemotherapy for cancer, that can be quite a bit of money. And so if you just have original Medicare and no supplement um, to cover that other 20%, you can find yourself in a situation where you might not be able to keep up with those expenses. Exactly. Um, Can anyone buy one, though? Um, It depends on when you enroll in one. So the best time to look at your Medicare supplement options are going to be when you first turn 65 or you first become eligible for Part B. So if you wait and enroll in Medicare late, whenever you first activate your Part B, you have six months from that effective date to join any Medigap or Medicare supplement policy anywhere in the nation, and you don't have to go through any health underwriting. So it literally means they cannot turn you down for the coverage uh, regarding any health reasons. So you could be actually very sick with a serious condition with lots of medical expenses, and if you sign up during that window, you're guaranteed to be offered the plan. It's really important to enroll at that time if you know that you've got health conditions that might make it harder later on to get a plan. And we see this happen where people, they just do original Medicare, a couple of years down the road, they develop a chronic health condition. Let's say you have someone that develops um, uh, Parkinson's disease. Well, if that happens, then suddenly now when you go to apply for a Medigap plan, that is going to be a condition that disqualifies you from being eligible for the coverage. 
So it's important to line up your insurance ahead of time when you have that window to know that you can get it without any, anybody turning you down. That's the best time to enroll in a Medigap plan. And then, of course, um, you can also look at other options. Um, the marketplace provides options like Medicare Advantage as well, which is an alternative to Medicare supplements. And so you're going to want to sign up for one coverage or another to make sure that you're not exposed to that 20% unending forever. Okay, and and um, coming on the topic of Medigap plan, what's the best way to choose that? Um, there are several different plans that you can qualify for. Um, on the Medicare website, you'll see that they list a bunch of Medigap plans. We have Medigap plan A, plan B, plan D, plan F, G. And, of course, this is confusing too, Technicia, because we also have Medicare original parts A, B, and C, and D. So we've got parts and plans. Oh. It gets a little bit confusing. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but the Medigap plans, each one covers a certain set of benefits. So you can look online on Medicare's website, and you can see that the one that covers the most benefits is a Medicare uh, supplement plan F, like in Frank. Plan F actually covers your hospital and outpatient deductibles, so you won't have to worry about spending any um, $1,200 out of pocket if you go in the hospital. It also covers the other 20% that Medicare doesn't cover, so it essentially gives you what's like first-dollar benefits. You're going to go to the doctor, you won't have a copay. You go to the hospital, you don't have a copay or a deductible. You literally could go in for your very own hip replacement that might be a $200,000 ticket item, and you would pay absolutely nothing. And so that's a coverage um, that gives people a lot of peace of mind, and that's one of the plans that you could choose to enroll in. Um, They also have plans where you do a little bit more cost sharing. So you could sign up for a plan G or plan N where you uh, cover a little bit of the deductibles and maybe have a doctor copay or a little bit of extra coverage that you pay. And in return for that, you get a lower premium for that plan. So you'll have a lot of different options, and you can read about them um, on Medicare's website. Our website, uh, which is boomerbenefits.com, also has a page about each Medigap plan where you can read and see exactly what those coverages are. And the great thing about what Medicare did with these plans is they standardized the benefits. So you know when you go out and shop for a Medicare supplement plan F, whether you buy that from insurance company A, B, C, or D, your benefits are going to be exactly the same. So you know that you can shop based on price, and then you also want to check out the financial stability ratings of the carriers and maybe look at their rate trend history. You want to get with a company that has had stable rates over the last couple of years so that hopefully once you enroll, you won't see too much big inflation on the cost of your insurance. Right, and that sounds like a... Great deal. Save money and be more happy. Now, what doctors will people with the Medigap have access to? When you enroll in a Medigap plan, you actually have access to all of the doctors that participate in Medicare, and that is over 800,000 providers nationwide. So you literally can see a doctor at home in your home area, but then if you develop a health condition and the very best specialist out there Uh, is at the Ford Hospital in Detroit or at the MD Anderson Hospital in Houston, and you want to see that physician, 
you can actually treat with that physician as long as they participate in Medicare. So about 91% of all physicians do um, participate in Medicare. We hear a lot of scary stories about doctors dropping out of Medicare, not taking Medicare, and there certainly is some of that going on across America. It's not so much that they refuse to take the Medicare, but because of our growing senior population, over 10,000 baby boomers a day turning 65, we don't have enough primary care providers all the time to service all those. So you'll find that the doctors actually will take the Medicare, but they're full. They can't take on any new patients because their practice is maxed out. So the the best thing you can do is if you have Medicare with the Medigap plan, you're going to have the widest possible access because you'll be able to see any doctor that can take new patients that takes Medicare, and it doesn't matter if your supplement is from Blue Cross Blue Shield or AARP or any other carrier. There's no network associated with that insurance company. Any Medigap plan will allow you to see any doctor or hospital that participates in Medicare across the nation, so you really have a very large, large network to choose from. Oh, wonderful. Before we take uh, commercial break. Danielle, I want to ask this too, because by my husband having Medicare, and he also gets Social Security. My daughters are on there with him, so he's the pay, co the payee. Now, certain things sometimes, like if they go get their eyes checked, I might mm-hmm. get a bill for it. Is it possible you think that they would step to his Medicare where it could take care of that for their eye checkup? Um, so that there's a possibility. What Medicare does cover on vision is if you go to an ophthalmologist for any type of um, eye health condition, glaucoma, cataracts, pink eye, uh, dry eye, any type of regular treatment for something that is um, medical, that's going to be covered under Medicare like any other health condition. The Medicare Part B will pay 80%. Your supplement can pick up the other 20%. They don't normally cover what we call routine vision checks. So if you're just going to an optometrist and you're not there about any other health condition and you're just getting your, your local annual prescription for your lenses, that's the type right. of vision benefit that Medicare doesn't cover. Okay. I got you because I know they have peach care. And I get a bill, and I'm like, oh, I thought I thought it was going to take care of that. Now i got a $168 bill, and I'm like, oh, yeah, okay. You're like, wow, what happened? Right, and I'm looking like, oh, my baby already got a bill, you're nine. You have a bill, you're nine. (laughs) (laughs) But we're going to take a short commercial break, and when we come back, we're going to be discussing about AEP-related. Don't exactly know what that means? Well, stay tuned. Danielle will explain it all right here on the Bright Side with Technicia. Thought it was over? Not yet. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. You're listening to Blog Talk Radio, baby. Question. Would you seat your three-year-old child on a windowsill? And would you seat them in a car seat that's not the correct one? Secure their future. Seat them in the correct car seat. More info at safercar.gov slash the right seat. A message from the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. You use Tearless Baby Shampoo because it's gentle on your baby's eyes. You make sure his toys don't have any sharp edges. You always test the bath water to make sure it's not too hot. You taught her what to do when the smoke alarm goes off. You make sure she wears a helmet when she rides her bicycle. You put on his sunscreen, even when he's embarrassed his friends will see. You do so much to keep your child safe. 
But are you using the right car seat for your child? Is your child facing the right way in the car seat? Is the seat too big or too small? How do you know when it's time to move your child into the next type of seat? Car crashes are a leading killer of children ages 1 to 13. Protect your child's future at every stage of life. For information on the right seat for your child, visit safercar.gov slash the right seat. That's safercar.gov slash the right seat. A message from the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Dun, 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 dun. I don't know if I'm saying the Star Wars theme song correctly, but it will be coming out in this is December the 18th. You all my Star Wars fans out there, yes, and Harrison Ford is coming back. And it's so surprising that when he started off in Star Wars the first time, that it was not his intentions. He was doing, just helping out, and all of a sudden he got the part. And at that time, he was a carpenter, and they offered him $1,000 a week. But it upped a little bit. So we're so glad that Harrison Ford is coming back, and it's going to be adventurous. So December the 18th, hidden theaters everywhere, yes. But we're back with Danielle, and we've been talking about Medicare, when to start applying for it, to get prepared. Don't wait till you're 65, because, Lord Jesus, you might end up losing everything. It's just like, you know, you're hearing, eyesight goes, <laughs> you want to prepare now. We don't want to wait to the last minute. But, Danielle, um, when it comes to Medicare, what's, what's the significance? I have heard of this um, Medicare annual election period that we are hearing so much about this time of year. So the annual election period, um, sometimes also called the Medicare open enrollment period, is from October 15th to December 7th every year. And this is the time of year when we can make a change to our Medicare Part D drug plan or to our Medicare Advantage plans. So we haven't talked about Medicare Advantage yet. We'll talk about that in a few minutes. But Medicare Part D is the prescription drug program that was created in 2006. And this is your pharmacy card that you use to take to the pharmacy so that instead of paying full price for your medications, you can pay a copay based on the plan's formulary. And Medicare drug plans don't have any health questions, so as long as you have Medicare A and or Medicare Part B and you live in the plan service area, you're eligible to enroll in a drug plan. Original Medicare does not cover retail prescription drugs, and therefore Medigap plans don't either because they fill in the gaps in the original Medicare. So you have to get a separate Part D drug plan to cover your medications if you have original Medicare uh, and or a Medigap plan. And these plans renew their benefits with Medicare once a year. So you will get a notice from your Medicare Part D drug plan carrier in September. It's called an annual notice of change. And it's going to outline for you all of the benefits that are changing with your drug plan from the current year to the next year. This means that you could have a premium that goes up or down. You could have a change to the deductible on your Part D drug plan. You could also find that maybe your company provides uh, the notice that one of your important medications is being dropped from the formulary next year. It's so, so important that you take time to sit down with your packet that you get from your carrier in September, look through it carefully, and make sure that you're okay with the changes that are happening 
with your drug plan. Make sure that the new premium is something you can manage. Check to make sure that all of your medications will still be covered the next year. A lot of times you may find the plan only goes up a couple of dollars and there's no significant changes to any of your medications, and you don't have to change. And then your Medicare Part D drug plan will just automatically renew for you the following year. But let's say you do check your annual notice of change and the premium is going up $12 a month, or you find out that an insulin that you need is not covered for your diabetes anymore next year. You can use the annual election period between October 15th and December 7th to elect a new Part D drug plan. And Medicare itself has a great tool, Medicare.gov has a drug finder tool that you can use to go and enter your prescriptions into the database and let it search all of the drug plans that are available in your county for next year, and it will actually rank them based on your most cost effectiveness. So it will tell you for your exact medications which plan is going to be the most cost effective when you figure all things. It's going to consider your monthly premium, your deductible, if the plan has a deductible, what your copays would be for those specific medications, and then it will spit out a list to you and it will rank all of the drug plans. So here in Texas, we have uh, 25 drug plans available for people next year. And if we use Medicare.gov's drug finder tool, we can punch those medicines in and it will tell me which plan is going to be the number one most cost-effective plan. And then number two and three as you go down get more and more expensive for you. So the tool is really great. It does all of the work for us, and it will even tell us if the medications have any restrictions. So you'll be able to see the plan that's going to have the best pricing for you, but you'll also be able to tell if that plan has quantity limits on some of your medications or if any of them require extra prior authorization for certain medications from your doctor. So it's pretty comprehensive, and that's why that election period is so important. I can't tell you how many times over the years we've gotten a call from someone in January who said, oh, you know, my carrier sent me that packet in September and I set it on the kitchen table and then the holidays came and I just got busy and I never looked at it and I went to my doctor or my pharmacist today and I tried to fill my medication and it's not covered, what can I do? Well, you're kind of in a pickle then because your election period has already passed and you can't make a change again until the next fall unless you have a special election period like moving out of the drug plan's service area. So at that point, you would then have to go to your doctor and see if the doctor can help you with samples or change your medication to something that's on the formulary or try to get an exception to get that medicine covered again, and you can create a lot of work for yourself. So I really want your listeners to take away with them that it's so important that you review your drug coverage every fall, take that packet that your carrier sends you, sit down with it for a good 10 minutes, review all of it, and see if you need to make a change. Um, If you feel like this kind of analysis is going to be too deep for you, then there's brokers like us available where you can actually send your drug list in and they can use the tool and analyze all of that for you and help you find the plan that will be most appropriate for you. You can even call Medicare at 1-800-MEDICARE and give them your list of medicines over the phone and they can also run that analysis for you. So there's lots of people out there that can help, but you've got to do your part by reviewing the coverage that you already have first and reaching out for the help if you need it. Exactly. And let's say you've been enrolled in Medicare Part D for the prescription drugs, but you don't take any of the meds anymore and the premium seems just like a waste of money. Can you quit Part D plan? And if you do, Danielle, what are the consequences later on if you want to re-enroll when you do need prescription drugs? 
What a great what a great question because we do have this happen sometimes. Sometimes you'll have a really healthy person and maybe they're spending twenty dollars a month on a drug plan and they'll call in and say, you know, I've been paying on this drug plan for a couple of years and I never need any medications and I just want to drop it. I don't need this coverage. Well, a couple of things there. You can only disenroll from a Part D drug plan at certain times of the year, the main time being the annual election period. So you could, during that period, you can write your carrier a letter and say, I don't want to be in this plan anymore. I need you to disenroll me. And they would disenroll you on January 1st, so the next year you would just be without coverage. But if you do that, there's a couple of consequences to you. One is that Part D has a late enrollment penalty. So if you choose not to have coverage, for every month that you go uncovered, they assess a 1% penalty against you. And so if you wait, let's say you go a whole year without drug coverage, later when you re-enroll in Part D, you're then going to pay a 12% penalty. The penalty is calculated off of the national average base drug plan premium. Right now that's around $34. So if you later on enrolled in a drug plan and then you had that penalty and Medicare saw that you had been uncovered for those 12 months, they will charge you a 12% higher premium um, of that 12% of the national average base, and that's added to your drug plan premium for the rest of your life. So the penalty follows you forever. And even though it's only 1%, if you have someone that's waited you know, years and years to get a drug plan, that penalty can be pretty sizable. So that's one thing. But what's even more important is that when you choose not to have Part D, you are literally going uninsured for retail medications. And I know that that's tempting if you're pretty healthy and you don't have any medications right now, but there are some health conditions that have very, very expensive medicines. I can give you an example from a client that we had a few years ago, uh, same situation, totally healthy lady, didn't take any medications. She was in her 70s and feeling pretty good about her health. And we talked to her about drug plans, and there was actually drug plan available as low as $15 at that time. And she just didn't want to spend the money. She felt she was healthy and, and, and thought that it was a waste. Um, and so uh, a year or two later, she actually called our office and said, I finally understand what you've been trying to tell me about why I need this drug plan because I've been diagnosed with leukemia, and I have to take a a cancer medication now that's an oral medication that you buy this cancer medication at the pharmacy. Um, And the pills are $300 per pill. So this woman spent $5,600 per month from September to December to fill that medication that she needed until I could get her back into a drug plan. And, and this is a scenario where not wanting to spend that small premium per month ended up costing her over $20,000. So you want to be very careful about not having Part D coverage because if you don't have another way to get your medicines like VA coverage or veterans benefits, um, you can find yourself needing an expensive medication and not being able to access it until that next enrollment period comes around for you to get into your Part D drug plan. Even if you have, um, uh, you don't have a, something like a, a serious condition like that, like with cancer, there are regular medications. There's several asthma medications. There's insulins. Uh, there are some meds out there that just don't have generics available yet. And if you end up needing one of those, even if it's a medicine that costs, say, 300 a month instead of 300 per pill, that's still a pretty hefty price to pay just because you didn't want to buy the insurance up front. Okay. Thank you, Danielle, for that. Um, 
what things should beneficiaries be sure to do during the annual election period? So your first thing is going to be to be sure to read your annual notice of change packet and then decide okay. if you want to make a change. Um, if you don't want to do it yourself, contact an agent who can help you or call Medicare to read through that uh, list, have them give you your list of medications and tell you which plan is going to be the most important one. And then, of course, you need to actually enroll in that plan before December 7th. So you can uh, fill out a paper application that your agent might give you, or you can go online to Medicare's website, and you can enroll in your plan there. You can enroll online at the insurance company's website. There are several different ways to enroll. Um, you want to make sure that you get that done before the 7th, though, because if you do it on the 8th, your application will be rejected, it will be too late, and you've got to wait until the following year. So it's really important to make those changes in the fall. Um, some people, too, um, there are plans called Medicare Advantage, and those are plans where instead of getting your benefits from original Medicare and having a Medigap plan, you enroll in a plan that's um, has it's called a private Medicare plan. And so you agree to use that company's network of doctors, and you're going to have co-pays as you go along. And they're going to roll out your Medicare A and B benefits to you from this private insurance company. A lot of those plans have a Part D drug plan built into them, and that Part D plan uh, will have changes just like regular Part D plans do. So if you're enrolled in an Advantage plan, um, you want to do the same thing. You want to make sure that your medications are going to be covered the following year by your current company. And you also want to put a phone call into your doctor's offices and make sure that they're still going to be participating in your plan the following year because since those plans have a network, you want to make sure that the next year you're still going to have access to all of your favorite physicians. Um, that's something that if your doctor is dropping out of a network, you may want to consider changing your plan to one that the doctor is accepting. So those are all some pretty big decisions that have to be made um, before December 7th every year. Oh, and them are some hard decisions. But like you said, Danielle, <laughs> if, if, as I always was taught, and that's what Danielle is saying, if you, if you stay ready, you don't have to worry about getting ready later on. So just be mm -hmm. prepared and you know, and I was just thinking of, too, like, disenrolling. You, okay, you might have had Medicare Part B or C for maybe some years now, but you're starting a new job that provides the health insurance. Can you disenroll from any one of those parts of the Medicare, and if so, how? You can. So this happens actually more than you might think. Somebody retires and then they figure out that, wow, they don't know what to do with themselves. So they end up going back to work uh, or they come across a new opportunity that's maybe in a different line of work. It's something that they would enjoy pursuing. And so they then decide, oh, I've got these great benefits that are being offered through my employer. And if you want to opt for those benefits as opposed to Medicare, you can. So at that point, what would happen is you would contact Social Security and let them know that you have found yourself um, a job that's going to be providing your group insurance and that you want to disenroll from Medicare. If you disenroll, a lot of times you're only going to be disenrolling from, from Part B because your Part A hospital benefits will actually coordinate with group insurance and sometimes lower what you would pay in the hospital because Medicare pays a portion of it. And you're not paying anything for uh, Medicare Part A anyway. Most of the time, you've already paid that up ahead of time. So what happens is a lot of people just disenroll from the Part B, which is the thing that's costing you $123 a month. Um, that Part B insurance can um, then be 
you basically just put it on hold. You're disenrolling from it for a period of time. And then later when you decide to leave that job and you go back to original Medicare, you can you can re-enroll in the Medicare Part B, and you'll actually have a new open enrollment window for six months to add a Medigap plan without any health questions at that time as well. Oh, awesome. And, Danielle, when it gets to... You know, we hear so much about the Medicare Part D coverage gap and the cost that people mm-hmm. incur on medications buying the gap. Can you explain to us what the coverage gap or donut hole is? Yes. So the donut hole is the thing that everybody fears. It's kind of the big ugly in Part D. And Medicare calls it the coverage gap. And what that is is Medicare funds a lot of the cost of Part D expenses. You might have a drug plan that costs you $20 a month, But you can imagine that that's not enough money for the insurance company to give you these great prices on all these medications. So the money for Part D is coming from somewhere else, and the Medicare trust funds actually foot a very large part of the Part D drug costs for you. And so they want to make sure that they keep the costs as reasonable as possible. And so what will happen is that you're going along filling your medications and you're just paying your copay and then all of a sudden this drug that you've been spending $35 for goes up to 140 Well, you'll know then that you've reached the coverage gap. The gap is when you pay a higher percentage of the cost of your medications um, after you've spent a certain amount in one year. So for next year, when you go and fill your medications, every time you fill a medication, your drug plan carrier is calculating the full cost of that drug. So even if you only pay $35 for the medicine, but the medicine itself is 140, they calculate that you've spent $140 towards your threshold for the coverage gap. If your total cost of drugs go over 3,310 next year, then you fall into the coverage gap, also called the donut hole. When you're in the donut hole, you're gonna pay 45% of the cost of your brand name medications and your generic drugs will be discounted, but they may not be as low as the copay that you had before. By doing this, Medicare makes you have a little bit of skin in the game. They are making sure that you have a reason to work with your doctor to choose cheaper prescriptions whenever possible. This will encourage people to try generics instead of the brand name medication because the person is then motivated to keep their spending below that 3310 if possible because we don't want to fall into the coverage gap and have to pay so much higher price for our medications. And so that's what the donut hole is. It's not when all of a sudden you don't have coverage. It just means that you're going to pay a higher piece of that coverage if you go past a certain amount Um, And on the flip side of that, too, Technicia, we have what's called catastrophic coverage. So if you're in the donut hole and you're paying these high prices, if your total spending for the year goes past $4,850, then after that you enter catastrophic coverage and the insurance company then has to pay 95% of the cost of your covered medications for the rest of the year. So there is sort of a place where the bleeding stops in terms of if you're spending this high dollars all the way through the gap and you come out the other side into catastrophic coverage, then you're only paying 5% of the cost of your drugs for the rest of the year. But it hurts getting there because you have to go through the gap first. So the best way to avoid hitting that gap is to work with your doctor to provide um, lower cost alternatives on any drug that you have whenever possible. Now, Let's say, for instance, also if you enrolled in a Medicare 
HMO at the beginning of the year and you just regret it, um, are you locked in or can you get back into traditional Medicare while waiting until the end of the year? You have a, an option for that at the beginning of the year. It's called the Medicare Advantage Disenrollment Period. And during that period, um, you can, from January 1st to February 14th, you can leave your Advantage plan and go back to original Medicare for any reason. So you literally can just call up your insurance company and cancel the Advantage plan and go back to original Medicare during that six-week window. And they do that so that if you enroll in an Advantage plan in the fall during the election period, and let's say you forgot to check on one of your doctors, and then you find out in January, oh, that specialist isn't in the network, and you decide, I can't be in this plan because I've got to be able to see that doctor. Well, you could disenroll and go back to original Medicare um, in that window of time. However, you want to be careful that when you disenroll from the Advantage plan and go back to original Medicare, that doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to be able to re-enroll in Medigap plans. Because remember, if you're past your initial six-month open enrollment window for Part B, now when you leave that Advantage plan and go back to original Medicare, you're going to have to answer health questions on your Medicare supplement application in most cases to be able to get back into that. Depending on the state where you live, the rules for that can vary. So make sure that you check with an agent that specializes in Medicare. But we have um, seen people where they disenroll an Advantage plan and then they call us and they say, well, you know, I was in this Advantage plan last year and I, I left it and I now have original Medicare, so I need to go ahead and get enrolled in the Medigap plan again. And then they don't realize that they've got a chronic health condition that's going to make it difficult for them to get approved with the Medigap plan. So you want to think carefully before you leave the Advantage plan to make sure that you know ahead of time what other type of coverage you plan on having for the rest of the year and whether you can qualify for that. You know, it's so it's, it's just amazing when you think about Medicare, how far – Back, this all started when it started April twenty fifth, nineteen sixty six, when Max Rosen, um, the state secretary of public welfare, witnessed the sign of agreement by two Pennsylvania hospitals, marking the first hospitals in the state to be approved for participation in the Medicare program. And look how far it has actually gone. Yeah. So wow. true. I mean, uh, all these years later, we've got. And we've even added to the program, you know, we've had Medicare has had its 50th birthday not too long ago. And then in 2006, we introduced the Part D to give drug coverage, and it's evolved so much. And uh, it's a very critical piece of our national health insurance program for people um, age 65 and older. And we don't know um, what people would do if they didn't have access to that because, you know, you can't work forever to keep those employment benefits. So it's a really good program that we have. Right. And and let me ask, what does your agency do to make this process easier for people? Um, our agency is a health insurance agency, and we are licensed insurance agents, and we just happen to specialize in Medicare products. So um, we help people with purchasing a Medigap plan, a Part D drug plan, or Medicare Advantage plan. But I'll tell you that the biggest part of our job, and, and it's amazing to me that, you know, you can employ 20 people uh, and fi provide them careers just explaining a government program, but that's exactly what we do. The biggest part of our job here is when people first come to us with all the same questions that you've had today, we have to explain to them what their original Medicare benefits include. And then once they have a really good working knowledge of what they've signed up for, what's it, what it costs, and, and what it's going to provide them benefit-wise, 
then we can help them with choosing the type of supplemental coverage and Part D drug coverage or Medicare Advantage coverage that fits them best, that's going to give them the access to the physicians that they want to have. Um, so we do the insurance part, but a lot of what we do in the beginning is just teaching people the Medicare first so that they can choose wisely on the type of supplemental coverage. Um, and then our agency is appointed with uh, many, many different insurance companies in over 40 states. So once the person decides if they want Medigap or Medicare Advantage, we can help them select a plan um, from all the carriers that we work with, and we'll find one that's suitable for them. Okay. Any last um, tips that you want the listeners to know, Danielle? I would just leave the um, listeners today with a reminder that the annual election period is approaching the deadline. So December 7th, which is a week from Monday, is going to be the last day that you can make a change. So if you haven't taken the time to review that packet yet that we talked about, make sure you get that out. Go over it uh, while you still have a few days here to make a decision and make sure that you're going to be in good shape for next year. Exactly. Um, Danielle, thank you so much for coming on and giving us these valuable tips. I hope everyone got some good information. Let your mind grow because it's time to start getting into the notes. You can't be in the dark forever, and you might not be at that age 65, but you want to start now. Do your homework. Do your research. Ask questions. You go to your doctor. They say, hey, you got questions? Yeah, I do. Um, Explain this a little bit more. Let me find out who can help me with this. So ask Danielle. You can find her online, Twitter. Ask her questions. It's the time now of anything you feel that wasn't um, answered on the show today. And if you're listening to the replay, then, hey, thank you. Um, Danielle, again, thank you so much. I enjoyed your time here. I enjoyed it, too. Thank you so much. You are so welcome. And my truth for the day for my friend Mary Ellen is this. Choices should be simple when you follow your heart. Choices should be simple when you're following your heart. How many times do we make choices based on what other people expect or want from us? Your choices create your life. In order to live the life you want to live, you must make the choices you need to make your life happen. Do not allow the choice to make you into something you do not want to become. Do not allow your fears to hold you back from making a choice you know is the correct choice for you to make. Follow your heart. The correct choice is right in front of you. Do not follow with what you think you see. You know they say see it to believe it. No, you need to believe it in order to see it. You don't see with your eyes. You see with your mind. You have to be, do, and have. If you want to be a millionaire, you have to start doing things like a millionaire or to have things like a millionaire. Today, review the choices you have made and learn. Enjoy the day, everyone. Thank you for joining us on The Bright Side with Technisha. God bless. Thanks for listening to The Bright Side with Technisha. If you like what you heard, tell your dad, mother, cousin, uncle, whomever. Be sure to check out the archive section at www.brightsidewithtk.com. 